Father, we praise you and thank you that you are speaking. As we open your word now, we pray that the words of my mouth and the thoughts of each of our hearts would be now and always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever thought about how many words we hear in a day? Whether it's people on the TV or the radio, on the phone or face to face, it's reckoned that we hear about 100,000 words every day. But we don't give equal attention to each of those 100,000 words. Perhaps you turn the radio off whenever Stephen Nolan comes on, or change the channel at least. A chat with a friend will be more important than the chatter on, on Coronation Street. It might just be in the background. You'll stay on the phone if it's a relation. But you'll quickly hang up if they're wanting to talk about PPI or your saving investments or whatever it might be. The importance of the words depends on who is speaking. And what we think of the person will affect how we listen. Imagine the scene whenever Paul arrived in Thessalonica. He has just got out of jail in Philippi. He had been beaten the night before. He probably wasn't in great shape. And he probably didn't smell too good. You might not be inclined to listen to him. But when the Thessalonians did listen to him, they discovered a remarkable thing. Paul was speaking to them the word of God. As Paul spoke, they heard God's word. They accepted it for what it really is. Not human words, not man-made philosophy or just made-up stories. But God's word. The God of the universe had spoken and Paul was bringing a report of it. It's a bit like the TV news people who might report uh, what the Prime Minister said. It's not uh, what the reporter says is important, it's whose message they're proclaiming. So they'll report perhaps tonight, David Cameron said such and such about the NHS today. But this is so much more important than what David Cameron might think about anything. God has spoken. You see, the Bible isn't just the records of people striving after God and having a wild guess about what God might be like. Paul says this is God's word. And it's at work in you believers. Now if that's the case and this 
really is indeed God's word, then that must lead us to action. If we really do mean that thanks be to God after our readings, then we must see that God's word work out in our lives. Paul shows us two things it calls us to do, even while circumstances are difficult. Having God's word, we proclaim it and plead for it, even while some prevent it. And it might be good to have it open in front of you, page 201 in the New Testament of our Pew Bibles. The first consequence of having God's word is that we want others to hear it. If God really has spoken, then we'll want everyone to hear the good news. And we'll make sure that they have easy access to it at verse 9. Paul says, reminding them of uh, whenever he came to Thessalonica, you remember our labour and toil, brothers and sisters. We worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Paul and his team had worked night and day so that people could hear the message without being burdened, without having to uh, support uh, the ministry. Paul learned his keep so that these pagans, these non-Christians of Thessalonica could hear without cost. It's why we get involved in mission agencies like Crosslinks or CMS. To support those who bring the gospel so that people can hear the good news for free. But what about closer to home? Are there ways in which we could put ourselves out so that someone else can hear the gospel? You see, if we truly believe that God has spoken, if it's a good news message for everyone, then we'll want them to hear. We need to put ourselves out so that they can hear. I wonder, could you help to teach the gospel in Sunday school? Or be available at Snatch? Could you read the Bible regularly with someone? Meet up every week or every fortnight and take a chapter and read through it and talk about it. Look out for ways to give of yourself. To help someone else hear. Having God's word. Because God has spoken. Then we proclaim it. But more than that, Paul says, we plead for it as well. Last time we were in Thessalonians Thessalonians, uh, two weeks ago, we saw uh, earlier in chapter 2, in verse 7, that Paul said that he was like a mother nurse with her own children. That he was gentle as he brought the good news. Now in verse 10 and verse 11 he shows that he was like a father giving wisdom and direction providing a lead and an example for his young children. 
You see, through his pure, upright and blameless conduct, he was seeking to make them take God's word seriously. To apply it to their lives. To make it their guide and their rule. Look at verse 12. Do you see the action words there? The the things that Paul and his team were doing. Urging. Encouraging. And pleading. Like a dad. Watching his son play football. Cheering him on. Except this isn't football, it's even more serious. And what was he urging and encouraging and pleading? Verse 12 again, pleading that you should lead a life worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. God's word calls us into his kingdom and glory. As we hear it, we need to heed it. And be moulded and shaped by it. In verse 12. Paul summarises it. As a life worthy of God. Or as another version puts it. To walk in a manner worthy of God. Now he doesn't spell out what that looks like here. In chapter 4. We'll see that in greater detail. But for now it's enough to know that it means a life reflecting God's glory becoming more like him a life of worship to him because we have heard and responded to his word I've told you this story before about Alexander the Great who was uh, he was a great uh, military leader he was uh, the leader of the Greek uh, empire and one day a soldier was brought to him On the charge of stealing a horse. When he discovered that the soldier's name was also Alexander. He said soldier. Change your name or change your conduct. You see he didn't want his name associated with this criminal behaviour. The soldier was called to walk in a manner worthy of Alexander's name. Paul calls us to live a life worthy of God. But it doesn't come naturally. That's why urging and pleading and, um, and encouraging is needed. We need to work at it together. As we urge and encourage and plead each other to stick at it. We need people... Uh, And we need to be people who cheerlead for each other in our successes and continue to urge and encourage whenever we mess things up. We're probably already aware of the ways in which we fail. So that father-like encouragement is so precious as we respond to and uh, apply God's word, as we live out the call that he has made on each one of our lives. Having God's word, we proclaim it and plead for it. It's amazing that God has spoken, that the God who spoke this entire world into being speaks to us. 
It's amazing that we can hear it. That we can live it out. That we can pass it on. But not everyone thinks the same. You see some people jump to the other conclusion. In verse 13. You see the Thessalonians had been convinced. That what Paul said was indeed God's word. But some people think that it's all just human words, that it's made up. And perhaps we've become more aware of that in recent times as the Asher's case has been discussed in media and in homes and in the debate around the referendum in the Republic. People try to rubbish or discount or deny that the Bible is God's word. Oh, it's, it's just ancient stories that don't count in this modern world. We've, we've moved beyond all that nonsense now. They say it's, well, it's definitely not God's word because, well, God doesn't exist. Or so they say. You can't really believe all that. Can you? When we see the news and watch the onward march of secularism and progress we might think that things are getting bad will we be completely silenced will we be punished for holding to God's word are things getting worse and worse actually things are getting back to normal not the way things should be But the way things really are and always were. You see, having accepted the word of God for what it was, having that word of God working in their lives, the Thessalonians were feeling at the pressure at rise. They were, verse 14, suffering for God's word, just as Paul had. In Philippi and in Thessalonica. But that wasn't unusual. You see this was how the very first churches had suffered as well. Verse 14. For you brothers and sisters became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own compatriots as they did. From the Jews. The very first churches had suffered as well. There was death. There was being driven out. They were trying to silence people from sharing God's word. The Jews were acting in opposition to the church. But they were actually opposing everyone at verse 15. At the end of it there. They displease God and oppose everyone by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. The pressure is there to shut up, to keep quiet and not share God's word. But those who might look at Christians and think that they're an easy target, 
will actually find that they're picking the wrong fight. It's like the school bully who picks on the new kid in school. Only to discover that the new kid is actually the principal's daughter. To take on Christians who hold God's word. Is to take on the God whose word they hold. You see they might be able to intimidate Christians. But God cannot be silenced. And that should be encouraging. As we seek to walk worthy according to the word. It's God's word that we have. It's God's word that we're sharing. It's God's word that we're living out. And it'll be God's word on the last day that counts. When the full measure of sin is judged. And God's wrath is paid out for the unbeliever. In our school, you weren't allowed to walk around during class time. And one day a teacher spotted two of us walking down the corridor looking a little bit suspicious. And she raced out of the classroom and tore strips off us. For being out of class. When we should be in class. But we were carrying. A message from the principal. We were taking it. To every classroom. We just hadn't made it. To her classroom yet. And with that note. With his words. In our hand. We had no reason to fear even the scariest teacher. And she was. You see, we were on official business. We had a message to share. Brothers and sisters, we as the church, and it's only the church, have the message of the gospel. God's good news to the world. God has spoken. So we must proclaim it. And we must plead for it as we live it out. Even if some might seek to prevent it. So let's do that. Let's commit ourselves to encouraging and urging one another. To share it out. And to live it out. For his praise and glory. Let's pray. God our Father we praise you that you are the God who speaks. That you speak to us and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would give us grace to live it out 
as we proclaim it and plead for it. Father, we pray that you would give us grace to continue to do this in difficult days when some seek to prevent your word. Give us your grace that we may live for your glory through Jesus Christ our Lord.